Welcome to Oikos. Is it a great day? Awesome. I want to set up, we are going to be in Matthew as we look at the Easter story in the book of Matthew. So as you look in your Bibles, you can also open up your phones, get on Wi-Fi, and you can go to Matthew chapter 28. That's where you find the resurrection story of Jesus in the Bible. We're going to be going through the text this morning, but as we go through it, I want you to take a new look for the first time. So, as you open up your Bibles, as soon as you get your spot, just close your eyes and experience a little bit of darkness right now. It's in that darkness that the disciples were hiding. Everyone was scared. Everyone knew that the body of Jesus needed to be tended to but everyone was scared to go out and do it. There was chaos everywhere outside. They could hear the rushing of soldiers. They could hear people yelling. And the disciples were scared. They locked the doors. They covered the windows. And they sat in darkness. But the women were sad, and grief was overcoming. And so in that darkness, you heard crying. So you can open up your eyes. Some of you did not follow the instructions all the way. So who would go out to see and tend to the body of Jesus? Would it be Peter? He's usually the first one, right? He's the one that would jump out of the boat and walk on water, come to Jesus? Would he be the first one out the door saying, we've got to take care of the body of Jesus? Or would it be John, the disciple that Jesus loved, the one who probably was there crying as well within that dark room? Who would it be? Would you go? Would you be the first one out the door? Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, as a new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. It's a women. They wiped their tears. They knew there needed to be something done. They probably didn't remember the words of Jesus that he would rise again, but they knew that something needed to be done. They needed to go next to Jesus one more time. Dead or not, they needed to find themselves close to him. And so even though they may be associated with the one who was just crucified, And they could face the same fate. They opened up that door. They unlocked it, opened up that door, and headed out in darkness. Just as the break of dawn was coming, they hurried to the tomb so they could be be close to Jesus one last time. Verse 2, suddenly there was a great earthquake, 
For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the the, the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. So the women, as they opened up the door, passed the first test that I would say of faith. They decided it was better to be next to Jesus, even a dead Jesus, than to be away from him. It would be better to be close to him and risk being caught than to be away from him. And so they left the safety that they thought they had and they walked out into the unknown. And as they approached the tomb, the only thing that was brighter than the new dawn was this angel that flashed before them. And then an earthquake, an earthquake happened again. Now this has just happened less than 48 hours before this. During Good Friday, when Jesus died, there was an earthquake that split the rocks open. You find that in Matthew chapter 27. The same words are used for this earthquake. So again, rocks are split. What do you do during an earthquake? Duck, right? Duck and cover. But strangely, the women don't do this. They stand and watch. They stand and watch because they know God is doing something. Now remember, they went there more than likely not because they thought that they would see Jesus alive. They went there because they just wanted to be close to the one they loved. It's like when someone dies who's close to you and you just have to go back to the tombstone just to be close to them. Maybe to say some words that they cannot hear. But for your own benefit, you want to be there. That was the reason the women were going to the tomb of Jesus. But God caught them in a great surprise. And in the midst of all their darkness, he put a great light in front of them. I think it's a great lesson for us today. Because I think a few of us, maybe many of us here this morning, need a new dawn to our day. In fact, we may find ourselves in the midst of darkness, even as we woke up this morning. Coming to celebrate, coming to be a part of a family once again, but not feeling quite there. We might have even found ourselves this past few days surrounded with darkness with those that we chose to be around. People who maybe aren't celebrating who Jesus is because we're scared. But we want to be like the women. We want to experience a new day. So a few of us took a step, a risk, that today could be a new day. 
I was teasing. My mom doesn't know this. This is just an add-on. She doesn't love. She really does not love um, being a part of any kind of message. But my parents are here today, and I was. My mom asked what time worship was, and I said, "Well, we've got. We do sunrise, and we all get there before sunrise and have breakfast together." And she said, "You're kidding me, you know." Bet some of us this morning woke up and thought, maybe there's something else I could do than be here and celebrate Jesus. A few of us woke up and said, no, this is exactly where I want to be. And some of us said, it's not necessarily where I want to be, but the other person in my house wants to be here. And to make peace, to make peace, I'm not going to say a word. I'm just going to go. The thing is, is it doesn't matter what your motivations are because you're here. And there's a new day for you. No matter where you find yourself, whether you are terrified about what God has planned for you next, whether you're frozen in fear or in grief, God has a new day for you. We know this in the resurrection. But to experience this new day, sometimes, just like the women, we have to experience not just the unknown, the darkness, we have to experience another earthquake. What that may be, I don't know. Maybe it's wrecking your brand new car. Maybe it's losing your job. Maybe it's finding out that you're pregnant with your fifth child. We aren't. (laughs) Maybe it's that you get a bonus that's beyond what you were expecting and you don't know what to do with it. It can be good or what we classify as bad things, but no matter what it is, we can believe that Jesus is in it. And the women did that that morning. They went out into darkness thinking that there was only bad stuff out there. And then an earthquake happens when it was really would remind you exactly what happened when Jesus died just a couple days before which should put fear in them, but instead they stopped. They did not run. They looked and they watched because God was in it. I wonder if we can do that as we approach the dawning of our new day. Are we ready for a new day to dawn in our lives? Are you ready for a new day to dawn in your lives? Wow. See, we want God to work, don't we? We want him to do things in our lives, but sometimes we're scared. And this is where we find the women. They're ready. They're scared, but they're watching. Verse 5, then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. 
He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Don't be afraid of the new day that's dawning in your life. Maybe it's setting up a whole new pattern in your life where you say, I'm going to give up all these things that are not good. I'm going to replace those things with things that are from God. Don't be afraid of the new day that's coming. This is an Easter message for us as a community, as a family today, that a new day is dawning for us as a community, but also for you personally. To let go of that grief, to let go of those fears. A new day is dawning, perhaps in your health, where the healing, get, healing hand of God will be placed upon you. And you will be healed. We saw the video as worship began this morning of that cloth that went through the several stages of the life of Jesus. And as he wiped the mud from the man's eyes and the cloudy eye becomes clear, perhaps the new dawn, the new light that enters your eye will be the same for you and your healing that you need. God isn't working differently from the way he worked 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years before that. He does the same things. And the same promises are true. He wants you whole and he wants you healed. Whether it's on this side of heaven or on the other, he will make you whole. A new day is dawning for you. Maybe for a few of you, it's in your marriage. You need a new day to dawn in your marriage because you woke up this morning and looked at your spouse and you didn't see a future. Or maybe you woke up this morning and your spouse wasn't even there. A new day is dawning in forgiveness and reconciliation. And looking upon that person, with not your eyes, but the eyes of Christ, that he's made them, that person, whether it's your husband or your wife, he has made them perfect. That they are a son or daughter in his eyes, and they are precious. And he has bound you together to love one another as an example for the world to see. Maybe a new day needs to dawn in your job where you can walk into the place whether there's layoffs or not and have joy. Knowing that the God of provision will provide for you with a job or without. And that he's preparing a new place for you to work and serve. Already. Or maybe it's just in your family. A new day needs to dawn in your family. You need to see hope. 
You need to see that your kids love Jesus. You need to see that the choices they're making are going to be curbed and changed in a new direction. Well, we can proclaim today that a new day is dawning as a church, as a family. And we do this with the ancient words that Sarah encouraged us to learn this morning. So we're going to do that right now. Christ is risen. With that, a new dawn is coming to your day. That's what we rest our hope in. Because he's risen, death has no power. Who fears death? You guys, it's Easter. Now, normally I say don't lie in in church, but it's like doubly super bad to lie on Easter. I fear death. I mean, I don't want to get stabbed or some kind of crazy thing, right? Death is scary. Death is not God's plan. His plan from the beginning of time was that we would live and walk with him in harmony and not see the destruction that we saw. His plan was that we would be able to have relationships with each other that would not end in death. But our plan was to choose death. Our plan was to walk away from the Father instead of to walk with Him. And we'd love to blame everything on Adam and Eve, but I'm going to tell you, every one of us are to blame. But this day we get to celebrate because Jesus said, now there is no blame. That's why there's a new day dawning for your marriage because you can't blame that other person. Did you hear that? You can't blame the other person because Jesus said there is no more blame. All blame came on me. There's a new day dawning for your job because you can't blame your boss. Right? Because Jesus said, I take that blame. You can't blame your co-workers or those people who aren't working. A new day is dawned for them too. Jesus took the blame. You can't blame your crazy family for why you're a crazy family. Jesus took the blame. For the bad words that are said, for everything Jesus said on the cross, I will take it. For every sin that was committed and every sin that will be committed, I will take it. I will go in darkness even though I am the great light. Because I want light for them. I want them to be able to wake up and when they see that sunrise each and every day, know that there's a new day dawning for them in me. That death will not be your end. That God has prepared something awesome and great for us. That no matter what happens in the next hour, his hand is in it. 
No matter what earthquake comes your way, God will work in it for you. Because Christ is risen. So the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. What I love about this verse is this this is how we respond when God does something awesome in our life. We have great fear, but also great joy. They're running to go do exactly what this angel told them to do. They're going right back to the disciples. They aren't lingering. They aren't waiting. They aren't going, well, maybe we should wait for a second angel or a third one to confirm this. They just go. When an earthquake happens in your life and God intercedes and he says, there's a new day dawning, what we learn from this is to go. Don't question it. Don't wait for something else. Just go. Even if you're frightened, the angel said, don't be afraid. And what were they? Afraid. But they still went. They went no matter what. We can learn something from that, right? How many of you know that you've heard something from the Lord to go and do, and you're frightened, and instead of going, you stop? Yeah, you, this is another one. It's kind of like, if you fear death, this is what we do. Because we do this. We do it because we're scared. But the women teaches us, they teach us to move, even in fear. But to move in fear and... Joy, because there's two things going on. They're wrestling with their flesh, their sinful part, but they're experiencing a little taste of the kingdom on their righteousness that God has done. And they're doing both at the same time. They're trying to leave their fear behind, but they're only doing that by going forward. So as a people, as a church, we go forward. We don't stop. As a church, we go, we don't stop. We don't look backward. We don't look at who's to blame, why we're not moving fast enough. We simply move forward with fear and great joy. And this is what happens when we do that. And as they went, as they were moving ahead, Jesus met them. If you remember from the beginning of the text, They left that dark room where they thought they were safe to just be by Jesus. Up until this point in the text, they still haven't got that. The tomb was empty. The body was gone. They were given a promise by an angel that he had risen and that they would see him. But not till they told the disciples and not till they all went to Galilee. They were patient. And they trusted and they worked their faith in action as they move forward. But what's awesome about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is that he loves us so much that he knows what we're asking for and he gives it to us. Jesus met them and greeted them 
And they ran to him, grasped at his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. As you go on the right path, an expectation we should have is that you will meet Jesus. He sees you as so precious and valuable. He sees you as brothers and sisters. And he won't let you travel alone. In just a few verses more, he'll say, I will be with you wherever you go. That's why we can travel with joy. That's why with each morning, each new dawn in our life, with each earthquake that happens, we can stand and say, Jesus is with me. With each consequence of sin that happens in our life, with each tragedy that we face, we can know that we're not alone because Jesus, who was risen from the dead, is with us. He will meet us and greet us along the way. I believe that that is something that we can all celebrate. Because Christ is risen. The psalmist says it this way, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. On Good Friday, we gave an exercise for people to reflect as they were looking at the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus to give thanks. As a community, I think this is an important part and practice that we should put in our own lives. When you're facing a challenge, you should... So when you're facing a challenge, you should... When you are facing a tragedy, you should... When you are sick and in your bed, you should... When your kids eat all that Easter egg candy and you're cleaning up their puke, you should. That's what I mean. I got to say that a few times. All four of them, give thanks. Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. Let me read a few of these. I want to thank you for, for my Lord and Savior Jesus for blessing me with his grace his love, but also his patience of most of all. He's been in my life for 30 years, waiting for my soul to come back to the light, back from the darkness, from the pits I'd fallen in for many years, drugs and despair, loneliness and hate. I've been running away from him, but more for my identity. He's taught me that faith and love conquers all. My beautiful wife and my daughters make me see every day how amazing and perfect God is. He's forgiven my sins, showed me mercy, and made me believe that anyone can change through him. Does anybody want that? Thank you for helping my daddy on Sunday. He wasn't in the bestest shape, 
but now he is strong as ever. Thank you. Thank you for my family. I'm thankful that God is good even when there's brokenness all around us. I give thanks for my Savior and promise of everlasting life. I give thanks for my wife, my children, and family. I'm thankful for Oikos and the family that I have come to know. I give thanks for the challenges that stretch me. I give thanks for being able to forgive and be forgiven. I thank God for his patience with me. I pray that I can share this with all whom he sends my way. I'm sorry we destroyed your son. It makes me cry when I hear this. We recognize how cruel we are. I believe in you. You are not a myth. You are God. Thank you. Thank you, God, for your... I'm going to have to read up here. <laughs> Thank you, God, for your previous love that overcomes everything, my faults, shortcomings, and my darkness. Thank you for giving me light, hope, and love. I give thanks for his provision through my job. I am thankful for God for leaving our family to Oikos. God leading our family to Oikos. God has used this. I got to read up here. <laughs> God has used this church to deepen our faith. He showed us what it's really like to live in his family. I see life transformation every day. I see his work in all of us. He gave us the church home we long for. He always keeps his promises and his blessings are more than we ask. I hope that you are leaving today with a heart that's filled with thankfulness. We all have something to give thanks for, and today is a great day for us to give thanks for Jesus and what he's done in our life and what he's going to do in your life. He is not done with you yet. There are many good things yet to come. He is showing you little glimpses of his kingdom every day. And he's wiping the mud from our eyes so that we can see just a glimpse of who he is.